630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Yeah, that was an interesting question from somebody in the last half hour of the show. If the Oilers sign Zach Hyman, does that mean they would have a second power play unit? Probably not. And and as Bob said, Hyman probably becomes the net front guy. I mean, James Neal's going to be bought out. Alex Chason's an unrestricted free agent. Yessi Pugliarvi, I think, will be in that role. Personally, I think he'd be in that role sometimes, but probably... Hyman's the guy, so you're looking at this is assuming Hyman signs tomorrow and we expect him to. McDavid, Drysettle, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Nurse or Bouchard on the point right now. Maybe Tyson Berry comes back, but that's probably the six players who would be on the power play if I'm putting Nurse and Bouchard perhaps in some sort of rotation. Remember what they said they did last year that they wanted Nurse out there about a third of the time. And sometimes he would go out there on the power play as well. But Tyson Barry Barry was clearly the guy there. And I think they want Evan Bouchard to be the guy there down the road or one of the guys there down the road. So maybe this year, if Barry doesn't come back, it's a rotation where Nurse plays two thirds and Bouchard plays a third. But as we have seen, I, I have to tell you this. And, you know, it is part of my job is watching and observing Oilers games. And for the last two years, I could not tell you their second power play unit. Sometimes there, there were five players that went out in place of the other five players. It did happen, but it wasn't really a consistent rotation. And sometimes you didn't see those guys at all for several games because the big guys would play the entire two minutes or they'd score a goal, which they did a lot of over the last two years. So probably the Oilers don't have a second power play unit, even if they sign Zach Hyman. Um, but but I, again, I, I see in my mind, though, you'd see seven players on the power play. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Nurse, Bouchard, Hyman and Pugliarvi. And I would like to see Pugliarvi get some net front work. He's a big guy. He showed more willingness last year to retrieve pucks, to stand in front of the net. He has pretty good hands. I I mean, here's the thing. I I know people sometimes complain about Alex Chason in front of the net. And did Chason have the best hands on the team? No, but he could deflect pucks. He could perform a jam play from time to time, or sometimes he'd throw, he'd throw a quick pass to dry settle for a one-timer. But what was chase on really good at was he was good at screening the goaltender and he actually showed a willingness to do it, like stand in front of the net. And sometimes you'd see a goal scored and Alex chase on wouldn't be on the score sheet, but he'd be screening the goaltender. So I hope pull is able to do that. And I hope Hyman is able to do that as well. That was an element chase on brought to the power play. I know there were chances that, you know, he'd have a play in tight, wouldn't quite finish. He'd get stopped. I get all that, but I do think he had a strength that allowed him to play there. And I would like to see pull do that. So if there is, maybe they'll have one and a half power play units with Bouchard and Pugliarvi, the other players, who I guess that'd be one and 1.4 power play units. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Okay, 780-496-0063. So we asked you to vote last week for the Elks all-time roster. And the top four vote-getters 
at defensive back, number four, Joe Holloman, number three, Aaron Grimes, number two, Jackie Parker, and number one, Larry Highbaugh, voted the best defensive back in double E history. At linebacker, and it was an impressive list, Danny Bass, fourth. That Bass was awesome. J.C. Sherritt, number three. Willie Pless, number two. And Dan Kepley, number one. So, you know, Larry Ruck, A.J. Gass, guys like that didn't even crack the top four. And I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, J.C. Sherritt. J.C., how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you on the show. I always enjoyed talking to you when you played for the green and gold. And of course you've now gone into coaching. How are things at Cal Poly, man? Tell us a little bit about this gig. This is cool. Oh, they're, they're good. I mean, it was, uh, it was a really exciting opportunity. Um, Coach Baldwin took the job here at, for the 2020 season and had reached out to me. And obviously he's somebody who had a huge, huge impact on my life. Um, so get to come down here and work for them. Um, it was just, it was, it was kind of a dream job. And so, um, we showed up here and obviously like all of us around the world ran into uh, quite a funky year, but luckily it's, it feels like knock on wood, we're getting back on track. So we are about to start camp here, August 6th, which is very exciting. So how's the transition been to coaching? Like, I know we talked when the Stamps hired you, and unfortunately, you know, like you said, 2020 wasn't, I suppose, necessarily a full season under your belt because of all the changes. But how, how, have, you, uh, how have you rode through the transition from playing to coaching? Uh, it's been great, honestly. And um, I know we probably don't want to talk about this on a, uh, on a – Edmonton sports show, but Calgary was really, really good for me as well. Professional development, um, just kind of how they run things over there. And then I had people, um, they're looking out for me, you know, Corey Mace and Huff and Dickie and Monson and guys who were helping me develop as a coach, which is hopefully for the next 30 years, every year, I'm just trying to develop as a coach and having people like that. Um, but it's, it's been really good. And then obviously to come down here and I'm with, you know, the offensive coordinator and myself, we played together. The offensive line coach offered me my only scholarship at Eastern. And then I, I played for coach Baldwin. So, uh, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to, to be around people who have, you know, have the best interest for me in their heart and, and they're helping me develop. And that's, that's kind of the name of the game. So let me ask you this. What have JC shared the player? liked having jc shared as a coach you know what i mean like are you i don't think i'm doing things right <laughs> the reason i asked it I'll, I'll tell you why i'm asking you that because uh as you know scott milanovich was briefly the coach of the double e never wound up coaching a game here and i said what would have you thought of yourself when you were a player and he kind of said well I probably would have thought he was a little immature and needed to calm down <laughs> calm down a little bit <laughs> well I, I I get it that's all situational but when you're 5'9 210 pounds you're, you're kind of going to do all the things right or you're uh, you're out of there so I think I uh, I would have been pretty easy to coach I would imagine I don't think I would have been talking back too much <laughs> now if I was the man I you know I don't know if I if I had the size and all that stuff, I, I have no idea how I would have acted. But, yeah, I think uh, 
I think I would have been coachable. I hope so. Okay, so did you never feel like you were the man, even as you became a CFL All-Star and a Division All-Star and a, and a mainstay with Edmonton? Like, did you did you always feel like uh, an underdog fighting for the next snap? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the one time I felt like I let my guard down was the year after I had won the award, and this has stuck with me forever. Um, I felt like that's the only time I didn't really... I didn't train to a level that was with absolute urgency every day. And I, 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 I feel bad about that to this day. It bugs me to this day. And I, I was playing, I played good, but I didn't feel like I played great. And I always, in the back of my head, I always thought that was because it's the only time in my life I ever felt like you're good, dude, you made the team. Here we go. And then I think that's a horrible mindset to have. I certainly will never have it as a coach. Um, and it was the only time I had it as a player. And uh, that stuck with me. So after that, it was uh, it was it was all go for sure, as it should have been always. Yeah. Well, that's you know what? That's a good lesson. And it shows that you're never you're never too good or too old or too experienced to learn a lesson. Right. So, so that's that's a that's a good way to put that forward for sure. J.C. Sheriff joining us tonight on inside sports i want to ask you uh you, you guys play in the big sky conference i mean look you, you mm -hmm. know what college football is like uh alabama and notre dame and usc and schools like that get a lot of attention and a lot of tv time tell us a little bit about the big sky conference and where you would say it sort of stands in the in the hierarchy of all those schools and conferences yeah so down here obviously off population um you've got multiple tiers of college football you can almost think of it um almost like a european soccer league or basketball but it's you have division one you have championship subdivision which is the big sky you have division two you have division three and you have naia and you have up to 100 teams in each of those leagues so a lot of tiers um we are for our level we're in one of the more competitive conferences um if you look around the cfl ricky ray came from this conference Nichols, Riley, Bo Levi, Dario Romero, it keeps going. Um, so this, the CFL has been really good to this conference. Um, and, you know, that's the tier we're at. We're going to play Fresno State. Um, we'll play a Cal, but we're a, we're a tier below them as far as conferences are scheduled. Um, the other thing we have is we have playoffs at the higher level. Now they're starting to get playoffs, but that used to only be bowl games. So at the end of our season, you will see a true national champion. Oh, nice. Okay. Which fans like nobody likes the voting, right? So that's right. That's Amen. Good. <laughs> okay, JC, we've had some fun here over the last week and a half or so. We had voting on our website for the franchise all-stars. And yes, I know there's a couple different names in there, but the franchise is the franchise and mm -hmm. linebackers. Dan Kepley, number one, Willie Pless, number two, as voted by the fans, and J.C. Sherritt voted the third-best linebacker in Edmonton football history. When you hear that, what do you think? Uh, it, that means a lot to me. Um, you know, I, I was one of the people, I, I really did look at the history of Edmonton, and I knew what both those guys ahead of me had done. I knew what Danny Bass, Ruck, you know, we had talked about Singor Mobley. There's been some dudes to come through there um, and just get to be with those guys. 
uh, you know, just getting to be mentioned with them. And I know that sounds like an all shucks moment, but it's true. I, I know what they have done. That's the thing. I know what they accomplished. So um, just to get to flow in with a list with them, uh, that's, that's pretty dang cool. So what was the biggest transition for you coming to the Canadian football rules after playing in the United States probably ever since? I can't I know we've talked before, but I think you started pretty young. So what was the biggest transition for you? Uh, the tempo of the game. I mean, you don't realize how fast-paced the game is from the play clock. Um, in the position I was in my career, you have to play special teams as well as defense. Um, and it is rolling now. We, you know, anybody who's watched the CFL game, who's in the CFL game, understands that tempo, that pace. Uh, but when you're coming out of, you know, it, when you play down here, you could play in a smash mouth football game that is really slowed down. It's all run. You, you're not playing in that in the CFL. You better be able to roll. You better have some lungs. You better be in condition. Um, and then the, it's the same jump, you know, from high school to college, what that speed looks like, um, college, to the CFL, there's just, there's guys out there, you know, there's Brandon Whitaker or Chad Owens or, um, all the receivers in Montreal they had for years that were great. There's just dudes out there that don't look like anybody you played against. And, um, you know, that was the transition and that's what you got to get used to. And you either rise your game to it or you're on a plane ride home. Well, that's that's a good way to put it, for sure. I want to ask you this. Uh, Eddie Steele came on last, because we're kind of revealing a couple positions a day. So we did the D-line yesterday, and Eddie Steele came on and you know talked about uh, El Mondo and some of the skills you need to, to be a good defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. And Eddie, I asked Eddie, so if you had a group of kids and you're – teaching some of them to be D linemen and they're learning football. Like, what do you look for? And he said, technique is so important as a defensive lineman. So if you got a bunch of like raw kids wanting to play football, like they're whatever, eight, nine, 10, however, however old, and they want to be linebackers. What, what do you look for? What raw skill do you need? Or what are some of the first things you need to teach them? Well, I, I recruit for a lot of the year, so I, I'm ready for this question. <laughs> um, the first thing you look – well, let's see. Are we talking about 9 and 10, or are we talking about a high school kid? It's well, a good question. Oh, well, yeah. Let's, well, let's, let's start a little younger, like the little aspiring okay. guys. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, when you start young, you just want to see people who love the game. Do you love football? That's a question we ask as recruiters all the time. Because it's a very important question because it's it's going to be a grind. There's going to be good times, bad times. Um, if I'm looking at the younger dudes, I want them to go out, run around, have fun with their teammates, understand discipline, technique for sure, uh, but surely just enjoying the game and running around. Now, when scholarships come on the line or when I was in Calgary and jobs come on the line, now you're looking into a world of how is their twitch capability how do they pass drop? How do they pass rush? Where's their contact courage? Do they accelerate through contact? But if I'm eight, nine, and 10, go let it rip, man. <laughs> Just go have fun. That's, that's all I'm telling you. Um, that's, if I'm talking to a 10 year old right there, I'm saying, okay, this, I'm teaching them discipline, toughness, and having fun with teammates. Right on. Okay. I got one more for you. And of course we wish you all the best with, with Cal Poly, another team I got to follow here. Uh, Labor day. 
you're probably going to be working coaching, but are you going to find a way to watch or follow the Labor Day Classic, find a way to PVR and watch it before bed if you're coaching all day? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll find a way. I will. Even if it's watched in uh, December, I'm going to find a way to get that thing recorded. Uh, but, no, I still I check up on both um, both teams. You know, I still check up on my guys around the league that are still rolling, which is so cool to see they're in year 10, year 11. Uh, you know, Nichols is in Ottawa, and now you got all these teammates in Montreal and Toronto, and then you coach dudes in Calgary. So I love the CFL. I always have. I always will. So I'll be tuned in. Now, will I watch the game as it happens? That might be a tough, tough one, but uh, it, it'll get watched eventually. Right on. Well, JC, it's great to catch up with you. I hope we stay in touch here, and congratulations on being third for an entire uh, the uh, entire history of the uh, franchise in the fan vote for best linebacker man hope you're doing great all right i appreciate you having on we'll talk again soon right on that is jc sherritt checking in and uh, indeed uh, what a what a linebacker vote it turned out to be and this is your opinion a lot of you voted danny bass fourth sherritt third Willie Pless second and Dan Kepley. Bit of a margin from Pless to uh, Kepley, but Kepley the uh, best linebacker in double E history. Pretty impressive list. And again, the defensive backs, Highbaugh, Jackie Parker, then Grimes, and then Joe Holloman. 780-496-0063. Want to catch up on some of your feedback. Also, the phone line is open, presented by Certain Teed, professional-grade building materials, inside sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for checking out the show tonight. Corey writes into the text line. He says, I remember all the fans wanting to get rid of Yessi Pugliarvi. Where would the Oilers be without him? I, I thought he had a good year. Is he an all-star? Is he a superstar? No, but I thought he had a good year. I thought he made progress. I, I thought he was shaky early in the season. He, then he looked more confident. He started to make some good plays, often in tandem with McDavid, and he became a player, for me anywhere. I, I can't tell you guys how to think, but Pugliarvi came became for me a player that I thought when he was on the ice, okay, he, like he might make something happen. Like I, I expected something positive to happen. Now I know he was often on the ice with McDavid, which helps, but he, he scored some nice goals. He finished some nice plays and, and hopefully he continues to improve. And, and I still say this, I mean, Ken Holland, if you're a GM of a Canadian hockey team, your work's going to be picked apart. Trust me. But I still think Ken Holland's best move in about, what's he at now, 26 months or so as GM of the Oilers, is not trading Jesse Pugliarvi, is that he found a way to get him back to the team. Van Halen lover says, I think it's going to work with Zach Hyman. A team is never going to get a steal in a situation like that. Is the team going to be better with him? Yep. Then the Oilers got to try, especially with the four-year window in front of them. So Van Halen lover looking forward to the expected Zach Hyman signing tomorrow morning. 
perhaps in the first hour of free agency. We'll have it for you live on 6.30. Chad, Bob's going to start at 10. Okay, I want to read a couple other messages here. And Carson Latimer, great story from the Oil Kings, all before 8 o'clock. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Just had a Van Halen fan text into the show. And there's some Van Halen coming back to break. Humans being from the legendary tornado movie, Twister. Send me a list of your top five tornado movies. 780-496-0063. Percy writes in to the text line. Says, hey, Reed, I'm really looking forward to the Zach Hyman signing. I think this will give the Oilers two legitimate attacking lines. However, still not sure about the depth forwards. Percy goes on to add, a lot of respect for Ryan Getzlaff, but I'm not sure he entirely solves the problem. Well, yeah, they're going to have to round things out. I, I mean, I, I, I've often said over the last couple of years, the Oilers had a first line. And then maybe a couple of years ago, they kind of had a bit of a second line and then two and a half fourth lines. Well, I think the year Hitch was coaching by the end of the year, they had a first line, a fourth line and two fifth lines. Cause they had, cause they had some AHL guys on the roster. Um, Rob Brown said it last year after one of the playoff games that the Oilers have a first line. Did they really have a second line last year? I, I mean, I know you had Nuge or, or Dreisaitl often playing on the second line with Cahoon, who's not going to be on the team. Yamamoto had a, had a tough year. So I think this uh, – with, with, here's the thing. With Hyman, they should have five top six forwards. Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, McDavid, obviously. Hyman. I am putting Pugliarvi in that group. I, you know, I, I, I think he's a legitimate complimentary player now. And then I hope it works out for Yamamoto. Uh, you know, I, th I hope that the real Kyler Yamamoto is something between, because well, he had almost a point a game when he came up at New Year's Eve, that 7-5 game where the Oilers almost blew a 6-0 lead to the Rangers. Um and what do you have, 26 points in 27 games, I believe it was. And then, you know, last year he wasn't overly productive. I, I would think the real Kyler Yamamoto is somewhere between the two extremes that we've seen the last two seasons. I hope so, because if that's the case, he's probably a pretty de decent middle six forward. Of course, I get the concerns about his size. He's obviously one of, if not the smallest forwards in the National Hockey League. Um, but I don't doubt his hockey IQ, and I don't doubt his tenacity. So hopefully he does have a role on the Oilers. Maybe it's not going to be on the second line. Brian says, man, if Zach Hyman doesn't sign in Edmonton tomorrow, the city will get burned down. Well, I hope we don't have to discover the accuracy of that prediction, Brian. I think there's a pretty good chance it's going to happen. This texture says, Reed, I think me and you are the only two people who know that song, Humans Being. 
great tune. And he's got a little laughy face on the text, he or she. Probably a, probably a male. Uh, I, th- I think a few people would know humans being, wouldn't they, Kellen? I know humans being. Yeah, Kellen, but you work on this show, though, where I give you, it's one of the songs I suggested I, to be played. I knew it before. <laughs> I, went, I went to college for radio, so we played <laughs> right. music. You, you, stu- you studied Van Halen songs on soundtracks. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of humans being. What other tornado movies do we, we were talking about storm movies a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked people, what was it? Geostorm, the one with Gerard Butler. That's right. That's when it was coming out. I think the consensus was it's not a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sharknado. How many, movie, how many shark? Oh, I guess Sharknado is a form of a tornado movie. Yes. Did, aren't there like five of those now? Yeah, it's got its own spinoff of a spinoff. It's its own franchise. Its own franchise, yeah. See, that's the type of thing, if we suggested it on this show, people would brush it aside as as those two crazy guys, just like our Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Right. Which does exist, by the way. Speaking of Sylvan Lake, Daniel in Sylvan Lake is texting the show. He says, I just had to state as a pretty serious Elks fan for well long before you were born, to me, Kepley, Potter, and Towns were easily the best linebackers. End of story. I have loved many others, many great ones for sure. I loved J.C. Sherrick. That's been a pretty strong position for the double E over the years. Tomorrow, we're going to unveil offensive line and running back. You know, it's been a while since the Elks have had a dominant running back for several seasons. One who would go on to be considered one of the all-time greats. John Avery was what electrifying, I guess, in 02 and 03. Then he went to the NFL. Pringle came here late in his career, helped them win the Grey Cup in 05. Um, man, in, in 20, and that was in 2015, they went f- through a few running backs. Was it Shakir Bell who was the running back in the Grey Cup? But they had other guys through because John White got hurt in training camp that year, I'm pretty sure. Need mighty Dave or more to help me out with that. But uh, the running backs, I already have the results here, Kellen. Spoiler alert. I won't tell anybody. Okay. Uh, there is not a running back on this list who has played in about the last 34 years, approximately. Maybe even, uh, maybe even closer to 40 years. Yeah. That's the most recent running back on the top four. And then on Thursday, we're going to do receiver and some great receivers. And... Uh, quarterback quarterback i could tell you there's a runaway winner for the first place do you have any guesses kellen uh yeah well of course i got guesses <laughs> well who do you think the runaway winner was um i would say damon allen damon allen's not in the top four. Oh. <laughs> so and that's just okay. me. Just, that's, you would have not voted for this runaway winner. That, yeah, that's just. I kind of put you on the spot there. I thought there was an obvious name you would you would mention. Yeah, it's just you know the millennial his mind of myself. Name, <laughs> his last name is the same as a, uh, a a celestial body that orbits the Earth. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I've heard stories. He was pretty good. So he, he was uh, he was excellent. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's uh, fun stuff. Adam says tornado movie. Wizard of Oz. I can't think of any others besides Twister. Have a good one. That is from Adam. <laughs> Wizard of Oz does have a tornado in it. I guess I was thinking where, like, the uh, actual, like, in Twister, the tornadoes are kind of the villains of the movie, are they not? Was there a human villain? I can't even remember. There was a cow in a tornado. It was, uh, was it Bill Paxton? Yes. 
and well, Helen Hunt passed away. Has he not? Didn't he pass away? A couple he did. Ago? Yep. Yep. Uh, Bill Paxton Helen and Helen Hunt. Yep. Uh, probably some other people and a CG cow in a tornado. That's all I remember. There must have been yeah. other human beings in it. I can't tell you who. And a Dodge and truck. And it had a Van Halen song. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero. Trucker Rick, you are correct on the text line. I think everybody gets who the number one quarterback is going to be, but it's going to be a bit of a race for spots two, three, and four. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to chime in, I, I do think. I do think it's exciting for the Oilers to get Hyman. I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to fit in well with what the Oilers have. They still need a third line. Getzlaff is interesting to me, and, and as Bob and I were talking about, it, it's no guarantee that he doesn't already sign with Anaheim. He is still property of the Ducks. He's not currently a free agent. Maybe they they sign him. Um. I think fourth line, they'll be fine. You know, Devin Shore's around. We'll see. Uh, maybe maybe McLeod's still a fourth liner. And then on defense, without Larson, I just think they, they need some nastiness. You know, and Larson could play nastiness and a little greasy at times. And I think the Oilers need that. I think Duncan Keith is going to bring that. Um, Nurse has that. You know, Chris Russell plays very hard. I wouldn't necessarily describe him as a nasty player. I, I wouldn't necessarily expect that from Bouchard. He's going to be in the lineup. Uh, you know, I wouldn't describe Ethan Bear as that type of player. So it'd be nice to have a little bit of rugged nastiness. So we'll see if they can they can add that. I, I still look at the Oilers roster, and I think, okay, you know, goal prevention and depth scoring two of the and not that goal prevention was a huge problem last year and smith had a really good year but i still look at that as saying okay that's really what they need to take that next step chris says jim germany would be in my top four running backs well you're probably going to like the results tomorrow then chris reed how could this is from a d reed how could you forget that Wesley from the Princess Bride was the villain in Twister, Carrie Elways. I I have forgotten that. I'm really sorry, D. I I, I did not remember that. And somebody texted in Armageddon question mark. I, was Armageddon was was that not a giant asteroid here? Movie? I, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was the killer asteroid. I, I don't know if there were tornadoes in that movie. We're missing an obvious tornado movie, an obvious one. Uh. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, somebody said that. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. That, that's great. <laughs> At least you're honest. Uh, Carson Latimer from the Oil Kings when we get back. Nuge special free agency coverage starts at 10 tomorrow morning with Bob Stoffer right here on 630 Chet. Penny Alexiak, bronze in the women's 200 free in Tokyo. She's now the most decorated summer Olympian in Canadian history. Six medals. She's 21 years of age. Hey, I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports a winger with the Edmonton Oil Kings who was drafted 123rd overall by Ottawa on the weekend, Carson Latimer. Carson, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Congratulations on being drafted by the Ottawa Senators over the weekend. Tell me about the moment you were picked. Well, it was definitely a dream come true for sure. Um, get to be with my family and friends there. And uh, um, it was just, you know, it was an unbelievable moment for me. And uh, to celebrate it with them, it was it was awesome. And um, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a, a more enjoyable day. It's amazing. No, was it uh, like over 20 people there, over 50 people? Take take me to the scene. It sounds like it was a nice celebration. Yeah, it was awesome. We went out to a little restaurant. We ended up going down to Salt Spring Island for, for the day. So um, we were at a little restaurant there, and we had, I'd say, maybe uh, 20, 25 people there. And uh, um, we were all sitting watching the draft at the TV there from uh, from the start of the second round all the way to, to when I got picked. So it was, you know, it was a bit of a stressful time, but... Um, you know, overall, you know, hearing my name called and uh, being able to be with all, all the people, you know, you, you love and support. Um, it's, it's amazing. It was awesome. Did you have any expectation where you're going to be picked if you were going to be picked? I mean, the pre-draft rankings are one thing, but sometimes the rankings are all over the map. So were you kind of anticipating anything going in or just rolling with it? Um, I think, you know, going into it, um, I was expect, you know, I was expecting to get picked. I think um, that was obviously what you can hope for, and um, you know, rankings are all over the map, and um, it, you know, I, I don't really look into that too much. I, you know, I don't think, um, you know, some rankings can, you know, define me as a player, and um, I think that's the, the NHL scouts' job to do. And so, um, you know, I think Ottawa is pretty high on me, and I think, um, you know, I had some other teams that were interested as well, and so. Um, I wasn't sure exactly, you know, where I'd go, but, um, you know, I was, I was obviously, you know, very fortunate to be, to be picked by, um, Ottawa, you know, great franchise and uh, I'm super happy to be a part of it. So based on pre-draft interviews or conversations, how many teams did you get the sense were, you know, seriously interested that maybe when they were on the clock, you started thinking like, okay, I had a good chat with these guys. Maybe they're going to take me. Um, yeah, I talked to, talked to quite a few teams, but, um, I think, you know, maybe five or six that, you know, when, when the clock was ticking on them, I got, you know, maybe a little bit more nervous than others who I hadn't, hadn't talked to as much. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a stressful day, but, um, you know, when Ottawa, uh, traded up there, I had my uh, teeth clenched, but, um, it ended up working out. It was pretty awesome. Okay. Carson Latimer joining us tonight on Inside Sports from the Edmonton Oil Kings, selected by Ottawa in the NHL draft over the weekend. You know, an, an interesting journey for you. Before we get to your Oil Kings career, tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. uh, the, the system in which you grew up, uh, you know, your minor hockey and maybe some uh, friends or family members, mentors that uh, sort of have been big influences on you along the way. Uh, for sure. I um, I started out my minor hockey out in Alder Grove. Uh, I played there for a few years before I moved to Semiamu. And uh, I played my uh, Pee Wee and Adam years in Semiamu. And, um, you know, I had a lot of great coaches along the way that, you know, helped me. And um, before I headed out to Delta there, and, you know, I was very fortunate to have, you know, every every team I played for, you know, had great coaches. Um, I feel very fortunate, you know, with that. And, um, yeah, so I played two years um, Bantam at Delta. I played two years in Midget with Delta as well. And, um, you know, it, it was it was a great experience. And, you know, some of my, my favorite times playing hockey were, were there. And um, I had great, amazing teammates, every team I played with, um, great coaches and, um, you know, great, great support system around me. And I think that's, you know, led me to, to where I am today. So it was awesome. And then obviously with Edmonton now, it's been amazing. Did you have a favorite player or team or somebody you really looked up to when you were younger? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, living in Vancouver here, you know, you, you watch uh, the Canucks, and um, when my dad was, you know, watching when I was, you know, a baby, I um, the first player I remember was Beret there, and, um, you know, kind of someone I watched, and, um, you know, still back go back and watch his highlights now, but, um, you know, I'm a huge, uh, huge uh, uh, Vancouver Canucks fan, and, um, you know, it was, uh, that's where I grew up, so I, you know, <laughs> have to be a hometown, but, you know, I, I think I'm more of an Ottawa Senators fan now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well said, for sure. So, Carson, I, I believe, no, no, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think there's a pretty good story here. Did you not score your first Western Hockey League goal on your very first shift in the league? I did, actually. You know, that's, uh, yeah, that's an amazing memory, for sure. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I got out there, and uh, I don't know how many seconds exactly it was in, but um, I know uh, one of the guys shot it on net, and it kind of bounced out, and it was, it was a really weird goal. I kind of got a one hand on it and it, you know, went up in the air and, you know, landed in that. It was pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know how many players can say that, but um, they had that in the first shift. So it was pretty cool. All right. So that was, I am, I mean, I think you played a few oil Kings games th- 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 that previous season. And then obviously this past year um, you played almost all of them as many as there were, what did you do waiting for the season to start to stay in shape and all those types of things? Yeah, with the with COVID there, we um, it was you know it was a weird year. I think we had I don't know how many months exactly it was from um, you know our last game in May, the year before to uh, the start of the WHL season. So um, I was training um, here, you know, working out in Coquitlam with my trainer and um, skating, you know, all over BC wherever I wherever I could find ice and um, with a you know wide variety of uh, coaches. And so um, I just tried to skate as much as I could, be in the gym as much as I could to prepare for for the time in Edmonton. So. Um, I was able to even, uh, I played some games up until um, before I left Edmonton. We, I played some with a, a local junior team here, um, Port Moody, and um, just to get some games in before um, before the Edmonton season started, just, you know, beneficial. I know not, not everyone got to be able to do that. So for me to do that, I think uh, maybe, you know, let me be in a bit more game shape before the season started. So um, I think it was definitely beneficial. Well, you had a pretty good year. You had 16 points in 22 games, and you were named the Central Division Rookie of the Year. You've had a little bit of time to look back on it. How do you feel on it about it, and what's the next step for you? Yeah, I think it's, it's it was a great year, and um, you know I had a great team around me. And you know um, I don't know exactly our record was like 22, uh, 101. It was it was wild. Um, you know we had a you know great great coaching staff and a bunch of teammates, and I think I had a good year as well. You know. Um, you know, got, got was an honor to be named uh, the Central Division Rookie of the Year, and you know, be up for that Jim Pickett Memorial Trophy. Obviously, uh, Connor won that there, but I don't think that was much of a surprise. So um, it was, yeah, it's amazing, and um, you know, I think it's just the beginning uh, for me. I've only played 28 WHL games. I think uh, I'm just getting started, so I'm really excited for next year. And um, you know, the years coming here, I think I've got a lot to prove and a lot to show. I think I'm just getting started. Now, did you also follow the draft on Friday nights to see, uh, on on the Friday night to see where your teammates Sebastian Kosa and Dylan Gunther were going to be picked? Yeah, of course. It was it was super exciting. I was super excited for them. Um, you know, such well deserving guys. I think you know they worked so hard, and uh, I was super excited to see them get picked. You know, um, they were pretty close there, nine and fifteen. I um, was super excited for them, and you know they went to some great teams, and I'm super excited to watch them play. Uh, next year and in the future and um, you know I texted them after and um, congratulated them I think it's been you know it was, it was a really awesome day for them and I I hope they're they enjoyed it 
high expectations for the Oil Kings in this in the season to come. A lot of guys are going to be back, you included. So how do you deal with those high expectations? Or do you just block them out and just go and play? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we had, you know, high expectations this year. And I think, you know, we were able to uh, live up to them. And I, I don't think it'll be any different next year, I think. Um, we have a great group of guys and, you know, we're a close team and um, we have great coaches as well. So I don't think, uh, um, you know, I think, you know, we, we embrace uh, the challenge and, um, you know, I think everyone's just looking forward to, um, to getting started. So um, yeah, high expectations, but I think, um, you know, we're a team that, you know, we can live up with them. I think, uh, I think we'll be good. Right on. Well, Carson, thank you so much for hopping on Inside Sports. Again, congratulations on being drafted. I'm glad you got to enjoy the moment with a lot of important people in your life, and I'm sure we'll talk to you during the upcoming year. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.